only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith, and this is episode 38. Today is March the 8th, 2023. I'll give everybody fair warning. This podcast has some political content, so I will get the prepping content out of the way first, and then if you choose to, maybe I'll put a a chapter marker on the podcast itself, and you can decide whether or not you want to listen further on into the podcast when I get into a little little political things. But I tie it all back together, as I always do, I promise. Gas on the rise here in Central Virginia, $3.25 a gallon is what I'm seeing in the area, up, gosh, 10, 12, 15 cents a gallon, uh, depending on uh, where you're at. And it really jumped up overnight, either that or I just wasn't paying attention when I was going to work. So let's talk about what I've been doing with the freeze dryer, then an update on the solar panels and that mobile solar ground mount that I put together. I did put a video on my Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can search Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast or prep underscore podcast, I guess is the official handle of of my Twitter thing. Okay, so the freeze dryer. I know I spoke last podcast, I was going to do biscuits and gravy. However, I ran across a video of some folks that did freeze-dried spaghetti, and I figured I wanted to try that first. So a few days ago, I cooked up a whole bunch of spaghetti, a whole bunch of pasta, and rinsed it really well. I laid it out onto the trays pretty thick. Uh, Normally with the freeze-dryer, you try not to get the contents of the tray much higher than the sides, Um, and that's just so it's not really that thick and does have a chance to go ahead and freeze-dry. Once the spaghetti was down, I went ahead and just put just some no-name spaghetti sauce on top, not I didn't like totally soak it, but I put quite a bit. I think for the four trays, I went through three jars, three of the larger jars of spaghetti sauce. Went ahead and froze it for probably eight or 10 hours and then put it in the freeze dryer. And 32 hours total. Now that's helping it out a little bit by freeze by actually freezing it ahead of time. If I had put it in there at room temperature and asked the freeze dryer to freeze it, I'm really not sure how much longer it would have taken. I don't even couldn't even begin to guess how much longer it would have taken. So anyway, 32 hours give or take and I pulled it out completely dry, bone dry, the sauce and obviously the pasta. Went and took a spatula and on the Harvest Right medium-sized trays, I think I divided up into fifths. Yeah, pretty much five equal portions, give or take, and dropped it into uh, some of my uh, heavy plastic vacuum seal bags. And I think it ended up being between the four, 20, 21, or 22. I think there were some smaller portions in there. Let's just say 20 of the of the little portions that I vacuum sealed. I noticed something pretty quick after I vacuum sealed the spaghetti and sauce is that 
Freeze-dried spaghetti noodles are very sharp. So of the 20 packages that I freeze-dried, two of them, actually one of the spaghetti noodles, poked a tiny hole in the bag itself, allowing some air in. Never really thought about that, but again, that's a pretty sharp noodle, and that's just a plain old plastic bag. Plus, with a vacuum, you're actually forcing the plastic down onto whatever's in the bag. In this case, it's the noodle. So I took one of them and just tossed it in the fridge, and I'm going to rehydrate that uh, tomorrow the next day and see how it tastes. And then the other one, I just went ahead and, and cut it open and dropped it into another vacuum seal bag and was able to vacuum seal that just fine. Let them sit on the counter until that night when I came home from work, double checked them, and it was really careful when I stored them in uh, like these little plastic totes that I have. So I was very careful how I put them in. I had some eggs, some banana chips, some apple chips, the spaghetti, some potatoes. I had a lot of things that I've been freeze drying over the last three or four weeks. And I went ahead and, and put everything in there and then updated my spreadsheet uh, to bring that up to date with all the new items. So I am going to go ahead and try the biscuits and gravy this weekend. I just need to decide what type of sausage I'm going to get. I, re- I need to get the leanest sausage there is. I'll let you all know how that turns out. All right, to the mobile array and the solar panels. Got the mobile array put together. I got the solar panels on. I put on several wheels. One, two, three. I put on six wheels, uh, these large eight-inch caster wheels with little knobby tires on them. Pretty structurally sound. Had a few, a few braces. It does weigh an absolute ton. Those solar panels must be, must be 60 pounds each. The pressure-treated wood is extremely heavy. Hardware is minimal compared to the wood and the panels themselves. So again, I put that video uh, on my on my Twitter feed as well. Okay, on this particular array, the solar panels are set at a 25 degree angle, and it's not adjustable. And this is kind of in the middle between the ideal angle in the summer and then the ideal angle in the winter. So you can go to all these websites. You can put in your address, your latitude, your longitude, the actual day that you're doing it. And it'll give you the best angle, you know, some 45 degrees, 47 degrees. It just really just depends on where you are and what day of the year that it is. So Signature Solar, they went 25 degrees and that's that's where it's at. So it's not ideal, but you're still going to get plenty of sun on the array itself. Okay, so the panels, like I said before, are 290 watt panels. And when I was testing them a couple weeks ago, I was getting... 450, did I say 450 or 500 watts uh, with uh, two of the panels? So, you know, you, I should be getting close to 600, but that's that's really, really good for used panels. And again, the panels are in really good shape. So I went ahead and, and put them on the array, tightened everything down, and went ahead and rolled her out into the yard. It was nice and sunny. And if you have a chance to look at the video, I would at the time that I recorded the video, I was like at 300, I was at 400, just shy of 400. And then there were times I got up to 500 and 550 for a few minutes of the four. Now, you know, they're 300, so ideal conditions, brand new panels, you should get 1200, give or take, but I'm not going to get that with these panels and especially at this angle. So for the most part, I think I averaged with the sun, you know, beating down on the panels for about two, two and a half hours before they, you know, started to get a crazy angle and some shade creeping in. I was probably averaging about 475, 485 with the four panels. Now that should increase as the sun gets a little higher, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of wattage we get uh, come spring and then obviously come summer. So again, with the uh, EcoFlow Delta Pro, 
It can take up to 1600 watts of solar, but you have to be very careful about the open circuit voltage. 150 volts open circuit voltage is all that Delta Pro can take. If you exceed that, you could ruin the unit. So when it was hitting, the solar panels were hitting like 515, 525, I actually measured it and I was right at 100 volts, 50 below, you know, the cutoff. So I was good with that. And again, I need to keep a close eye on that because I don't know if it goes up like exponentially, incrementally. I don't know. You add a few watts, you add a few volts. I noticed when it was at, was it at 400? I think it was like 400 or 425. I was like, you know, right around 60, 70. And it really does fluctuate quite a bit. So it really just depends on the angle, the shade, the weather, the, uh, the ambient temperature, all that sort of thing. So I think all in all, I'm pretty pleased with it. When I was at work, I was able to uh, pull up the EcoFlow app and actually in real time watch watch how much wattage was coming in. You know, pulled up the security cameras. I could see what kind of shading it was getting at the time. So I'm pretty pleased with that. So what I'm going to add to the system is another a Delta Pro. And I'm not sure if I'm going to add another battery or not. Uh, if I add the other Delta Pro and the battery. So that's what I'll probably do. Okay, so now I will stop talking about prepping exclusively for a minute, and then we'll get into a little bit of the politics and current events. And again, I'll put a chapter marker. So you're looking at it like, oh, he's going to talk about politics now. Let's just not even listen to the second half of the podcast. Or if you would just listen to the entire thing, I promise to tie everything back into being prepared. Okay. So COVID, it came from the Wuhan lab for the last three years. If you said it came from the Wuhan lab, you were a conspiracy theorist, a crackpot, uh, racist, uh, a bunch of, there was a bunch of phobes. I don't know what, and there's a bunch, you were, you're a bunch, you're a phobe of something. If you talked about that online, especially if you were a, a, a medical professional, a doctor, journalist, you were canceled, you were blacklisted, you were kicked off Twitter, you were censored on YouTube, Facebook, and all the other different social media platforms. Well, now everybody's been vindicated in a sense that it's been confirmed almost beyond a reasonable doubt that it came from the Wuhan lab. Now we're hearing from all these doctors, these professionals, the head, a former head of the CDC who was not given access or was not provided a lot of this information that would have steered the origin of the virus to this particular lab. Now we can talk about Fauci and all the different, the grants and the money and gain of function and all the different lies that he has told basically to enrich himself and his friends and have them get all these grants and all that good kind of stuff. In my opinion, that's exactly what happened. Now, Fauci is an arrogant SOB, and every time they give a subpoena to him, he, he does not have the, the common sense to not go in front of Rand Paul, Jim Jordan, and some of these people. He's just that smug. He's that much of a narcissist that he will absolutely keep spewing all this information out until the day he dies. He believes that he's smarter than everybody and that still, even in the face of all this, well, it's not even new evidence, even in the face of all this information that now we know as as true, he's still going to deny it. Let's move on to January 6th. So Speaker McCarthy gave Fox News and Tucker Carlson, it's like 40-some thousand hours of video surveillance, CCTV surveillance video from the Capitol on January 6th. And again, if you said that it was not an insurrection, if you said it was not an attempted coup, if you said it was not an attempt to overturn 
the election. Same thing for COVID. Deplatform, you're a nut job, you're a racist, you're anti-American, you're a Nazi, you're all these these things because you disagreed with the narrative at the time. Was January 6th a terrible event? Absolutely. Did people get hurt? Yes. People were shot. People were beaten. People were arrested. The Capitol was vandalized. However, of the tens of thousands of people and of the several hundred that went inside the Capitol, 99% of the people that went inside the Capitol were walking around very peacefully. They weren't being violent. They were staying within the velvet ropes. They were taking selfies. In fact, some people were actually given tours by the Capitol Police. You look at some of this footage. And now, okay, so the J6 committee, the committee is an absolute sham. It's just a kangaroo committee, whatever you want to call it. They have the people on there. They already had the message out or the message that they wanted to get out in the way they wanted to do it. January 6th has been compared and has been compared to 9-11, the Civil War. In fact, somebody, I don't know who said it, but it, this is uh, the darkest day since the American Civil War, the darkest day in American history since 9-11. Again, just to add fuel to the fire and just keep, I say poking the bear, just keep poking people, knowing that what they're saying is an absolute lie. The J6 committee, they had an agenda, they had a purpose, and we'll see whether or not they're, the purpose of this committee uh, will actually come to fruition. We will We'll probably see here in the next several months. The people that broke into the Capitol, that vandalized the Capitol, need to be arrested and need to be held accountable. The QAnon shaman, the crazy guy with the face paint and the the Viking uh, tattoos and stuff, he was escorted by the police, by a couple of police officers, all the way through the Capitol, all the way to the Senate chamber. He was never challenged. He uh, He was armed with an American flag. He was not tased. He was not tackled. He was not handcuffed. He was not pepper sprayed. He was literally escorted. You can see the, the Capitol Police trying to open doors, trying to get him to the to the Senate chamber, and they did. As he got ready to walk into the Senate chamber, I think there were like four or five uniform officers and a plainclothes officer standing there, not challenging him. Now, did the Capitol Police have a tough job that day? Absolutely. Were they in riot gear? Some of them were. Did they tear gas the crowd? They did. And again, looking at the footage that was released, I'm not sure why they did that. Were there other federal agencies involved that had people in the crowd either surveilling the crowd or perhaps egging on the crowd? There is a lot of evidence to say that's exactly what happened. However, Tucker Carlson and his producers have seen some of that footage that they believe that's what they're looking at, but they are not going to air that footage until they are absolutely positive that the people they were looking at were federal law enforcement. And I guess even when they do confirm it, I bet you dollars to donuts, they're not going to identify those people and they'll probably put the squiggly things over their faces. And again, rightfully so. So my opinion on January 6th is that, and I don't want to say it was completely blown out of proportion. There are people that need to be held responsible. But the QAnon shaman is spending three and a half, what, 41 months in federal prison for trespassing. Now, this whole interrupting a congressional procedure and stuff because they had to evacuate the Capitol and all these other felonies and all these other things they're just piling on, I think is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to compare that to the, what, summer of 2020 
with the tens of millions of dollars of personal property, businesses, police departments, federal uh, buildings, courthouses that were burned, people were murdered, the summer of love or whatever crazy name they gave that. I don't even want to talk about that because it's apples and oranges. The left will glob on to J6, but they'll ignore summer 2020. And then the folks on the right are like, wait a second, how do you compare January 6 and people getting three and four years in prison when very few people were charged in the summer of 2020? A lot of the people that were charged, the charges have since been dropped or reduced to very, very minor charges, little to no jail time, and some community service. The QAnon shaman and some of these other folks that trespassed, in my opinion, they're being made an example of. I don't think that's fair. There is... Some folks say there's a two-tier justice system. Sometimes I think there's even more tiers to the justice system. And I think the folks that have been arrested and have been charged are being used more as an example to say, you need to stay in your lane, you need to sit down, and you need to shut up. Because if you don't go along with the narrative of the day, you're a conspiracy theorist, racist, whatever, a bunch of phobes, whatever whatever it happens to be. If you disagree with the narrative of the day, you're you're canceled and you're you're removed from social media. Some people have lost their jobs, and I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. Okay, that rant is over, so I may as well just keep on going since I'm talking about politics. Okay. Here's another conspiracy theory. I'm going to float this one out there. Who knows if it's even if it's even close or not. All right, it's been well documented that the Bidens are up to their ears in corruption when it comes to Ukraine. The Ukrainian government is almost just as corrupt as ours. You talk about Hunter, Burisma, all the, you know, the pay to play, all this kind of stuff that's been going on. You know, it's it's very evident what was going on, 10% for the big guy or whatever they're saying. It strikes me very odd that President Biden would fly into a war zone, a grant a proxy war, but we don't have any troops directly involved. Why risk going there? Janet Yellen, Secretary, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, what, a couple weeks ago, she makes a surprise trip and you know brings one of those big cardboard Ed McMahon clearinghouse sweepstakes checks for $10 bajillion and gives it to Zelensky. And then Garland, the top cop of the United States, he makes a surprise visit. Why in the world does the president, the lady who hands out all the money, and the guy who decides who gets arrested, why do those people fly into a war zone? Okay, let me adjust my tinfoil hat. I believe, in my opinion, that Zelensky has so much dirt on this current administration that he basically says, I want Biden here, I want Yellen with all the money, and I want Garland, the guy who decides if anybody gets arrested or not. He has them there, not really as a photo op, but just to kind of, you know, again, poke the bear, look what I can do. Because I believe he has enough dirt that he could probably put half the half the current administration and half the U.S. government, both sides, left and right, probably put everybody in prison. So I think he's just playing a game. I think he's like, I want Yellen over here because she's the lady with all the money. And basically, Zelensky has said that we need to keep giving them more money. And I think he said something about a week ago, there's going to be a time when the U.S. is going to have to commit our soldiers in defense of NATO, and we'll have our young folks dying over there in the Ukraine. That guy is a jackass. So I really think he's got a lot of dirt, and he just brings these people over. Hey, look at me. I'm hanging out with the president. I'm hanging out with the lady who writes all the checks. And I'm hanging out with a guy that decides who gets arrested and who gets charged with federal crimes. 
I think it's just, again, I think it's just him trying just to, just to poke the bear. And I think a lot of people are seeing through it. More and more people uh, every day, uh, if, you, if, you, if you believe in polls and listen to some of the polls, the American public is becoming very tired very quickly of the amount of money that we are dumping into Ukraine in relation to what we have going on here. Our economy, homeless, homeless veterans, just, just name it, just name it. All the money that's gone over there, again, beating a dead horse. The only people getting rich are the Ukrainian government and the, the American military industrial complex. That's it. Everyone else is on the losing end. Russia's on the losing end. The Ukrainian people are on the losing end. And the Ukrainian soldiers, the Ukrainian army, they're on the losing end as well. China, again, is being a big pain in the butt. China has, they're developing ports all over South America. They're like in Venezuela. They're like they're they're docked at some port, and of course in the East China Sea. And, and China is making themselves more and more, I guess, prevalent or more and more present, especially in the Southern Hemisphere, where they normally are not a very strong military presence. And I think, and then that what's the Silk Road Initiative? I think they have with Russia, and they're going to build these pipelines and these you know, not necessarily a, a, a physical road, but they're going to build the infrastructure so China and Russia can kind of hang out together. Not that they're the best of friends and kind of supplement each other's economy because China realizes that if they get into a shooting war with us, nobody's going to win. They own so much of our debt and we buy so much of their crap that economically, let alone, you know, the physical toll and the death toll of a war, economically, it's going to be a disaster for both countries. So I think China is probably hedging their bets that in the event something does happen or the U.S. puts some crazy, crazy sanctions on them, that they're going to have to have some sort of outlet or some sort of relief uh, offset those additional sanctions. Now, with the current administration, there'll be no additional sanctions. And I think uh, the Biden administration removed all the sanctions from the Trump administration. But regardless, China's not our friend. And this is not going to end well. Everything keeps ratcheting up a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's it's going to get to the point where, you know, something's going to have to give. North Korea and that nut job and his crazy sister, they're like, oh, launching missiles in the U.S., blah, 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 all the crap. Those people like that. And here, here's, a, here's a, a pro tip for you. The people that spout off and scream and yell and I'll do this and I'll do that, those are the people you don't have to worry about necessarily. It's the people that are very, very quiet. When I was a police officer, 99% of the time, the person that I arrested, the guy that was mouthing off, take these cuffs off, I'll show you, blah, blah, blah. 99% of the time, they did nothing. They were just projecting. The people you have to keep an eye on are the people that are quiet. The people that are sitting there, they're watching you and they're listening you, listening to you. And you know they're looking at your mannerisms, how you carry yourself. And they're looking for any weaknesses or the moment when they want to, I don't know, kick you, punch you, whatever it happens to be. All the physical altercations that I got into as a police officer, very, very few of them were uh, folks that were loud and boisterous and I'll kick your butt. And if you didn't have that badge on, you know, just crap like people say in the movies. Those are the people you had to keep an eye on, but you didn't, you didn't have to worry about them as much as the people that didn't say anything. Okay, pro tip over political rant over. And we talked about the solar panel and the Delta Pro getting a, um, an electrician out to take care of the, uh, the receptacle, the plug to, to tie it into my, uh, to my house panel. So again, folks, thank you so much. 
And again, I just it, it bears repeating. I keep it on the metrics week to week. Every couple of days, I check in, and the audience, you know, keeps growing, and I keep getting a lot of uh, engagement. Different countries, different cities, uh, folks are listening to more and more of the podcast. You know, I can look on certain podcasts. Oh, they listen to sixty percent, eighty percent, and as it as in the last several weeks, as I look at the metrics, people are sticking around, listening to more and more of a particular podcast. So again. I appreciate everybody spending what's going to be about 27, 28 minutes of your time listening to me ramble on about a bunch of nothing, but I really do appreciate it. If you want to get in contact with me, my email address, practicalpreppodcast at gmail.com. And again, on the Twitter, Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast or prep underscore podcast. All right, folks, this has been episode 38 of the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith, and don't forget, please be safe out there. Take care of one another, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.